All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. Look at that. We made it out of the first chapter of Matthew, and we're, it's the first week in February. It took a minute, but we did it. And so to th- this morning, um, I'm going to pray our opening prayer over us this morning. And so you guys, if you'll bow your heads with me, and then we'll read Matthew from Matthew 2. Our Father, allow your Holy Spirit to reveal to us this wise picture of Jesus' life. Teach us, Lord, to listen, to consider, and then implement what we see here today into the way that we live, Lord. Let us see your kingdom anew. And let our desires be to seek you and follow your ways. Jesus, we want to be your disciples. Help us live our lives for you. Amen. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling All the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them, what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced, exceed, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I love this text of Scripture. Traditionally, we read it around Christmas time, right? But here we can see something very, very important. That the word of the Lord goes out and it doesn't come back void. God says something is going to happen and it does, period. The kingdom of God is powerful, it is mighty, and it is great. Especially when we can look at it compared to the kingdoms that we see here on earth. Matthew tells the story of Jesus in such a wise way that compels us to look to him for so much of life. It compels us to live by faith and not by sight, to trust in Jesus even from the time that he was a little baby and even until today. It compels us, urges us to worship Jesus, the one thing that we as his people should be glad to do. Here we see the wise men are guided by heaven and earth. And even a kingdom was used that doesn't want to see this great king arise, and yet they help these wise men on their way. 
They, these wise men, they want to come and pay their respects, offer their, grip, their gifts and their gratitude and worship him. They weren't sure at the time of their wandering that it was Jesus. They just knew he, him who he was, they were looking for was a great king. And they, at great cost to themselves, set off, wandered, following a star. And as they were doing it, they were following the star in faith that they would meet and honor this great king. And it turned out to be Jesus, who is the greatest king who ever lived, who is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, truly worthy of all our worship. This story is set in a genealogy as we've seen. It comes from a people. And now we also see it set in a timeline. We know when this Herod, this puppet ruler of the Roman government, we know when he lived. We have seen stories from him outside of Scripture and in Scripture as well. We have documents of this man. We know the type of king he was. And you know what? He was a typical king. One as just a type we've seen over and over and over. And it makes sense that this would be a king in our world. He was rich. He was powerful. He created great buildings and fought in great battles, hoping that he might gain more position and more honor for himself. We've seen that over and over and over again. Herod was hungry to be honored. He was hungry for power, and he was hungry for the praise that he thought was due him. But, as everybody in this situation, kings of this world, he was also sensitive and paranoid. He was sensitive and paranoid. He mistrusted all those around him and needed to defend himself and defend his power and his position at all costs. There wasn't much he wasn't willing to do to maintain and even grow his stature. He would use fear. He would use misinformation. He would even use the truth if he felt that the truth would suit his ways and suit his purposes for gain. He used hate. He used taxes. He used slave labor and cheap labor. He, he did all this to rule and build his empire. This is the way of kings and rulers who are their own higher power. This is those who are their own higher power. This illusion of control is real for these people. They think that they do all this. And I pray that we don't act in the same illusion. That we don't think that we have the same power to just manifest our lives. This is not the way that we go. This is not the way that it is supposed to be. We follow the true king and we walk with him. The setting of this life of Jesus is important because God knows the time, the hour, and the place that things need to happen. The word of the Lord goes out and it doesn't come back void. Amen. It can move heaven and earth to fulfill its purposes. It can put rulers in place and make stars align. This message that the chief priest and scribe gave to Herod to give to the wise men is straight from the mouth of God. I'm telling you, it goes out and it doesn't come back void. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, here is where my king, who is to rule forever, is to come from. 
This place may look small, but it is mighty in the kingdom of God that I am building. And God says through the prophet Micah that I am going to have Jesus, my Christ, my Messiah born here. This text points right to where it is. In, in what it looks like, it may look like the least, but from it will come the greatest, which sounds like the kingdom of God, doesn't it? This was written 700 years before Jesus went out. This word went out. Jesus came and fulfilled the word. God moved the heavens so that these wise men may come and see him, find him out, and let us know that we can seek him too. And that we can go after him. We can go after Jesus like the wise men. We are seeking out Jesus just like these men did. In this scripture, God wants us to look. But look in hopes that the Holy Spirit might open our hearts and our minds to see that Jesus is worth giving up everything for and that we might follow and direct our steps in his ways. That God has moved... um, uh, well, let me, let me ask it this way. What has God moved around in your life for you to be here today? We've all had movements. We've all had things. What, what is work that he's done in your heart and your soul to move you? Who has he had you meet? What has he had you do? Where has he had you go? What has he had you done that you might hear that God's promises are real today? Because they are. He will lead his people. As as we seek him, he will move heaven and earth to search us out and find us or be near us. Or as we may see it in our nearsightedness, that we might find him as we search for him. He's the one who called us first and we're going after him. He is the shepherd who wants to lead us and he will lead us. And we as his people ought to follow him wherever he would have us go. Amen. The wise men knew that Herod and all of this, uh, all of his setup wasn't worthy enough for worship. They didn't set up camp in around Herod and give him precious gifts. They sought information from him and they used that information to find the real and true king. They were seeking the one who was truly worthy. They were seeking to worship and they were looking for the one who was worthy enough to bow a knee to them and then to give to them. The gifts that they had set apart to give to this one and true king. And in Jesus, they see, just as I pray that we may see in Jesus, the one who is worthy of all our praise and all our gifts. We see the King Herod. We also see the King Jesus. There's so many differences in so many ways. Jesus, as the King, offers us an alternative to the status quo. He offers us a different way. We will see through the entire book of Matthew, the kingdom of God and his King Jesus, and we will see this put up against the kingdoms of earth and the leaders that we've been given here on earth. We see, and we will see, that the way that God does things are just simply different. Amen? Praise God, too. The weak things of this world are used to shame the wise. The least of these will be the greatest. The cross, which is foolishness to the world, and yet for us is the wisdom of God, because God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross, to forgive us all our sins, to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, and then Jesus rose from the tomb for us. 
And this is what this scripture wants to show us. God's word, it goes out, it moves heaven and earth, and it doesn't come back void. And I love that God is patient and has the time and the patience to allow his will to be fulfilled. God is not in a hurry as we know hurry. Yet, whether we can see it or not, he's at work. He's working. Just because it isn't happening in our timeline doesn't mean that it's not happening. Just because you can't see the work doesn't mean that the work isn't going on. God is far more active in his blessings for those who follow Jesus than we will ever see or know. Amen? 700 years, Micah prophesied the location where this Christ was to be born, and he was born there. He was born there. God sent these three wise men to show us this much. God's kingdom and his King Jesus are good and powerful and thoughtful and planning. He knows the directions that he has for us, and they're kind and loving. This is our good shepherd, and he is leading us. And he's leading us, and so let us follow him. And here, as we look at all this, we can get to the big point of this text, that Jesus is worthy of all our worship. He's worthy of all our praise. We see in this story that there are these wise men, and they want to worship. And what's the first thing they do when they enter the door? They worship. And then we also see this jealous ruler who says he wants to worship, but he wants to use people. Worshippers in spirit and in truth are seeking Jesus and God is directing their path to be able to follow him. But then there are those who say, like Herod, that they want to worship Jesus, that, but they will just use him for their own personal gain. There are false worshipers that will use whatever means they can do to gain for themselves. They will even pretend to worship God or want to worship God. And when they are doing so, it is tricks and folly and it is luring people away. And it's not a good route to go. And I'll ask this, why do you want to seek out Jesus? As we examine our motives Do you want to worship him in spirit and truth? Or do you want to use him? Are we offered, are we just simply wanting all the benefits of Jesus, but not willing to count the cost to follow him? No matter what the perceived blessings are currently? The wise men counted their cost. And it cost them a lot. Cost them time, energy, money, skill. Might even cost them reputation back at home. Who knows? But they are very unlike you too. They did find what they were looking for. Thank you. I, the boys got to get that too. Come on, kids. They, they found what they were looking for and they found worth in Jesus. They found the king that they were looking for and he was worthy of all their worship. And I pray that as we seek, we might know, we might find what we're looking for and we might worship too. Because worship rightly placed in Jesus is the greatest thing that we can do. We get to praise Him. We get to worship Him because He is good. He alone is good. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I pray that we may be seekers, but not only seekers like the wise men, that we may be finders like the wise men as well. Now the wise men came and they brought gifts. And the gifts were not so that we can marvel at the wealth of the wise men. That's not what they were for. The wealth, it is the wealth of Jesus who is the gift beyond all treasure. 
They knew that Jesus was worth more than their gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I imagine them showing up as they, they came to offer it and offering them and it was just like a mere token, just a trifle compared to the worth that they saw in Jesus. We too get to give offerings. We offer up our times, our skills, our knowledge, our money and our gifts. We give them all to Jesus as an act of worship. But I'll do this. Let us take money because money is a good indication of our heart, isn't it? Like it's, it's hard to see this. Our culture values wealth beyond where it should. And we as followers of Jesus and his kingdom get to value Jesus. Do you give to Jesus? Do you offer him gifts and offerings? See, I'm always hesitant to say this in church because I don't think that as, as a pastor, I'm not asking this to guilt anyone or anything like that. I want us to take a peek, though, at the motives of the wise men. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy that they found Jesus. That the way that they were following, the star that they were following, it wasn't fake, it was real, and they walked in and they found the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they had so much joy and so much, uh, and they rejoiced exceedingly that this wasn't a tax. That's what the kingdoms of That's what the kingdoms of earth do. They tax. It's a mandate. You must do this. This wasn't a tax that they paid. It was a gift birthed out of the great joy for finding the one worthy of all praise. Churches should never teach tithing or giving as a tax. Amen? It's something that you have found or something that you can do to find favor in God. That's not what it is. We give because we have been seeking and we finally found. For us, it isn't a tax. Even when we give in faith that we don't have a lot, we still give in faith. It feels like a duty sometimes. But even when we feel like it's costing us something, we give because we see Jesus as worthy. We give as an act of worship. We don't just give money. We give our very lives to follow what Jesus might have for us. So I'd ask us this, what gifts do you have that you may lay down at the feet of Jesus? This is what we get to do. Our real gift is the steadfast walk with Jesus day in and day out. We follow him and most of the time it's hard for us to to, uh, differentiate between why we give to Jesus because he's been so good to us. We're We're so used to the goodness that he gives us. Jesus is so good. He is a shepherd, but not just a shepherd leading us. He is a good shepherd. And I would say he is the best. I pray that we may get to a point that as we seek out Jesus, that we will find this rejoicing exceedingly. That we will find this great joy that these wise men had. That this rejoicing and joy may look different for each and every one of us. But it comes from the same source. It comes from the same Holy Spirit that is saying to our hearts, Yes, this is Him. This is the one that you're to follow. The goodness and grace of Jesus is there. And here's another way that Jesus is different from the kings and rulers of this world. This world may look at you and say, Loser may look at your bank account or your car or your job or whatever it is and just say, well, that's not really what you should amount to. 
And that Jesus says this. He looks at you. And He sees you even better than they do. And He says you're loved. This world may look at you for the things that you have done and either deem you as some great person or deem you as dirty. That you're either so worthy that you stand above people in pride or you're unworthy to be loved or you're unworthy to be saved. And Jesus comes along and says to you, I want you. I love you. I've moved heaven and earth to come and to be with you. Not only that, I've gone to the cross to die, to cleanse you from all your sin. You are filthy no more. You are clean. I've made you so that no one can take that from you. I pray grace and mercy for each and every one of us each and every day that we may make up in our mind to believe in and follow Jesus. When he says he loves you, that we believe that and we live by that. When he says that he is the lover of our souls, that we believe that he knows better than we do. And as he knows us better than ourselves, we know ourselves, that he says he's not disappointed in you and we can believe that. He loves you and is continuing to call you to himself. So come let us worship. Let us walk this life out together with Him. And I pray that we might rejoice exceedingly. That we might have great joy. That these emotions go beyond our logical brain and they affect the way that we live. That they impact even our motivations as we walk with Him. He has made me glad. Amen? He has made me glad and I will rejoice for He has made me glad. That this will be true for us because... He loves us. This text to me shows that God will move heaven and earth just to show us His love for us. That, that, that God's Word goes out and it doesn't come back void. And here's one of His words. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And that's for us. May that be true. I pray that we may believe that. We may believe in Jesus. That He is what He said He is. And I pray that it is so. And I pray that we might seek and follow and worship Jesus with all that we have and are. So Lord, that's my prayer. That we may seek You. That Your Word won't come back void. That we can have the hope and the strength and the faith to follow You another day. In Jesus' name, Amen.